0: Join us for the Get Up and Get Moving Dance Party this Friday, October 15th on ACB Media 4. We will be celebrating White Cane Day and we'll be playing the chart-topping hits starting with the 1960s at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific Time with me, DJ Darrow. The fun will continue throughout the afternoon until we reach the hits of today. We hope you can join us, and we hope you'll celebrate ACB's 60th year as we celebrate White Cane Day the ACB way. Again, the broadcast, 2 p.m. on this Friday.
1: It's coming up on ACB Media 4. Opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect the views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff.
0: And it's time once again for part two of our Medicare, our look at Medicare uh, here on uh, ACB Radio. And for the, uh, there's about eight of us so far in the Zoom room. I think that'll probably add a little bit as the hour continues. Alan Holtz was with us last week and we talked a lot about Medicare. And then some of us peppered him with questions afterwards. And we said, could you talk about this? And he said, sure. Sure. So we'll see what happens. There's going to be some interaction. You'll have chances to answer your questions as well. But for part two of our look at Medicare, let's welcome back Alan Holtz.
2: Thanks, Larry. Um, I am going to do this a little differently than last week, uh, but I still am eager for everyone to feel that you can throw in your questions. Um, You know, I wanted to start off by talking a little bit about what crowdsourcing is, because uh, it, it really wasn't what those of us who are over 60 grew up with.
0: Do you yeah. want me to raise yeah. hand? Do you want me to do a thing on raise hands first or wait? I forgot to ask you Uh, that.
2: let's, uh, how about if I give you occasional, uh, things for that? I'll yep. break it okay. subject matter. That's measures, fine okay? as we
0: plan this yeah. ahead of time with great, <laughs> with great
2: accuracy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay. No problem. So,
2: thank you. So crowdsourcing. I, I just wanted to talk about that very briefly. Um, you know, examples of crowdsourcing today would be GoFundMe, Facebook. ACB radio, they're infrastructures by which information and money is spread. Uh, but as we grew up, things were done with much more thorough editing and anybody could come and, uh, I mean, people couldn't just get on like they can today with crowdsourcing and say things. So, you know, I remember in the eighties when I worked for both Telesensory and for freedom. It was one thing if one of us did a program or gave information, but but as I came near the end of that career, I saw uh, a difference between when someone from a company like Eric Damery or me at the time or someone else would go on and say things versus when it was crowdsourced. And when you have things like um, the Apple Users Group, it's very different than, say, having employees of organizations. So I wanted to talk about that briefly because – Uh, I'm not a uh, an employee of any Medicare organization. And if I were, I wouldn't probably be willing to do this uh, because Medicare is very, very tight about the way they give out information. uh, And it all goes through lawyers. uh, And, you know, what is said is not wrong. It's just not complete. So um, I'm in this session, this last session, I'm really going to try not to take any particular sides. I do have my own views, um, but uh, what I really want everyone to come away with is the ability to make intelligent decisions for yourself and understand why the information on Medicare that's presented in media, in advertising, on television, uh, with uh, politicians and salespeople is so confounding. Uh, so with that, Larry, any questions to begin with?
0: None so far.
2: Okay. So at the beginning of the time you use, you get onto Medicare, I think it's, it's uh, more important to do the right, uh, to do things right, uh, to do the right things than to do things right. In other words, there are certain decisions that will be financially impactful for the rest of your life, and you're 20 to 25 years away from when you may need to, to execute those, much like saving for retirement. Uh, and that choice is basically the choice of advantage versus Medicare supplements. Um, and I, I will make very sh- if you come away with only one thing tonight, it would be to understand the difference between those uh, two programs, because that can be very confounding the way it's presented on television, or in media, and every time you hear this subject discussed, you should segregate in your mind, is this a discussion about Medicare Advantage or Medicare supplements? Medicare is a complex private-public partnership. It's the way the American government cares for elderly people and disabled people. And when you sign up, Uh, the agents who take your uh, initial sign-up will not give you any information about your options under Medicare. Uh, They will simply sign you up for the program, which is like saying, here's a check, but we're not going to tell you how to spend it. And that's really, I think, one way you can think about it. Um, it, uh, It's it's a system that I'm extremely grateful for, and I hope everybody here tonight, in spite of all of the criticisms you hear of it and, and everything, It realizes how incredibly fortunate we are to have it. Um, It is not the medical system that is in other countries. So if you talk to somebody from Britain uh, or the UK or from Canada, they have a system that is like ours, but it is very different than ours. And I think one of the things that gets us into a great deal of trouble when we talk about Medicare is we assume that we know what we're talking about when actually... What we're talking about is very different than what the guy next to us is talking about. This is also not a single payer system. Now you'll hear you'll hear uh, people uh, in the political realm say we need a single payer system. Ours is not that. A single payer system would mean that we wouldn't have all of these private insurance companies standing between you and Medicare. So ours is a a system that is uh, removed. Pro, there's a layer between you and the government, and that's in most cases called an insurance company. So last week I made the reference to watching someone uh, coming into a pharmacy and saying they were going to present their Medicare card and and just kind of throwing up my hands in frustration. What they really should have said is, "Here's my Mr. Pib." It should have been going like going to the soda counter and saying, "Here, I want a Mr. Pib. I don't want a soda." So my point. If you are going to talk about Medicare in general, much better if you can focus on your specific entity of it. There are two approaches, as I said, and four parts. The two approaches are Medicare Advantage and Medicare Supplement. The four parts are A, B, C, and D. Uh, Today, we're going to really make sure that you understand the stakeholders in in those choices and what, what each of those Parts are so that when you sit down with someone who is trying to sell you a plan, or you hear political rhetoric, you you can parse it and understand the specific piece they're talking about. Any questions about that so far? Okay, hearing none. Um, let's start with this question: What is insurance? At base, at bottom, insurance is risk sharing or protection against a random, unexpected, unwanted misfortune or event. That random event we call a claim. That random event would be something like a traffic accident or a death in the case of life insurance or a disability in the case of disability insurance, et cetera, et cetera. How do we share the risk? We share a risk by paying what is called a premium. A premium is what we give an insurance company in exchange for them assuming a risk. So we exchange a small certain loss. That's a premium. For protection against a large catastrophic loss the thing we don't want. In other words, we pay uh, $500 a year to protect us against our house burning down, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, life insurance Is the easiest to understand, you're betting against yourself. If you live, uh, if you live, uh, the insurance company wins. If you die, the insurance company loses. Uh, It's kind of an odd way of thinking, but uh, the point is that you are making a, uh, a, a bet or a calculated Uh, way of providing for an unfortunate event by sharing that risk with a large pool of people. So if you're talking about life insurance, you have a thousand people between the ages of 30 and 50. The uh, actuaries know that one will die. So 999 people pay so that, that one person can get a huge payoff. That's essentially the way that works. And most Easy explanation, or the opposite end, you have an annuity, the protection against living too long. The insurance company knows that uh, if they have a thousand people, a certain number will die at certain ages, and based on those large numbers, they can uh, pay you for life. Some people will pay in more than they, uh, some people get more out of it than they paid in, and some will get less. But that's what essentially an insurance company does. Now um the 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 situation becomes much more sim- uh, much more complicated when it becomes social insurance and i would submit that medicare and this is now why we get so confusing medicare is social insurance it's not private insurance so if we conflate private insurance with social insurance we're going to be very frustrated because we're not going to understand the objectives of the provider uh, the premiums are collected over a lifetime. The premiums are partially supplemented by the general fund. The premiums are uh, also partially paid by us in, in the case of Medicare in terms of Part B. And there are private companies that sell us riders or uh, supplemental policies that go on top of them. So uh we can think of many other situations where uh, we have social insurance in other words a uh, a situation where the government uh provides a policy uh, mandates coverage has huge scales of uh so that uh, huge populations so they can create reasonable scales uh, other examples that people might think of deposit insurance when you go to the bank and you put your money into the bank, you have an, a deposit insurance. That's the, the government standing behind your deposits. Unemployment insurance, uh, most recently Obamacare and social security. These are all forms of social insurance. They don't operate the same way that private insurance does. Any questions on that so far?
0: No, no? questions.
2: Okay. So hearing none, I will, uh, uh, this is a bit of a recount from last week, but, but I felt like last week I was more interested in history and I didn't get the point across this week. I really just want to under, help people understand why there's such a, a dissonance when we, uh, hear, uh, a lot of discussion in the media. Uh, and I think it's partially because we, uh, conflate public ins- uh, private insurance with social insurance. Okay. So before Medicare, we had uh, the churches and the states and uh, the small communities that would provide insurance, but it was extremely uneven. So if you think about what happened in 1966, uh, six, basically uh, classic Medicare came along. We had Part A and Part B, Part A funded by uh, the, uh, the payroll tax, Part B funded by both payroll tax and the Part B premium that everybody who is on Medicare can choose or not choose to pay. Just so that we can be very clear here, you you can choose not to pay your Part B premium. And if anybody suggests that you do that, they are out of their mind. It is a spectacular deal. So let's think about what we've got here. We've got a picture of need. Uh, that would be the medical costs that you're going to incur from age 65 or the time of your disability to the rest of your life. Uh, think of another equivalent situation where we have a picture of need, and I would submit that a good example of that is college financial aid. Now, when a student gets financial aid at a college, they don't only get aid for their tuition. They get aid for their books and their room and board and their living expenses. So, you know, when that picture is looked at, if it's only looked at in terms of tuition, it's not going to be a full picture. In the case of financial aid, the government has a formula and any financial aid officer will tell you that that what they will do is first fill the bottom of that picture of need with government dollars. Those might be Cal grants, those might be Pell grants, whatever. Then the college, the private college usually or a public college will fill with their local, uh, their local, uh, uh, um, you know, their, their local programs, uh, scholarships, then, uh, private groups like ACB or parents groups, then, uh, the student himself, and then the, at last, the parents funding so that at the end of the day, it is not uh, uh, just financial ability that determines what college, what student a college can go to, it is also the fact that their their costs are covered uh, through a, uh, a scholarship plan that is based on need. Uh, I make that point because that is a, an example of the way Medicare works. Uh, Medicare only covers about half of the medical costs that people will experience between the ages of 65 and the end of their life. And I'd like to just try to get some participation here. So I'm sure I'm not putting everybody to sleep because I really worry about talking too long and putting people to sleep. Let's hear some other things that, that we know are not covered by Medicare A and B.
0: Well, (laughs) speaking from personal experience, I'm a type two diabetic. This is Larry. And I have Wanted. I had it when I was working, because insurance paid for it or portions of it, not all of it, but some of it, and that was fine. I was happy to to pay a, some of it in uh, for a CGM, a con- continuous glucose monitor. Okay, that, durable medical equipment that is not paid for by well, at least in terms of writing across the board, it is not paid for by Medicare. However, right. there are lots of examples of where that has slid through the cracks. And people I know who are type 2 diabetics have it paid for. So they're not, right. they're not consistent across the board. And that's what right. I'm fighting for.
2: Good. I, so. Durable medical equipment. Yep. More. What else?
0: Glasses.
2: Uh, okay. Durable medical equipment. Still the same, same
0: thing, but same idea.
2: Mm-hmm. What else? Good. Good. We, we got durable medical equipment. I'm thinking of a couple of other classes of things that are not paid for under Medicare Classic at all.
3: Hearing aids.
2: Hearing aids. Durable medical equipment. Good.
1: Uh, dental.
2: Dental. Good. Very good. And these are some things I didn't have. Good. Some Excellent.
1: forms
0: of drugs. Uh, that may be That's tier, right. whatever it might be. If it's not a oh. formulary drug or a two or three or four, there are things that we've asked for because of the diabetes that they say, "Oh, sorry, we don't cover that."
2: Right. Okay. Good. So we have now dental. We have durable medical equipment. Uh, what else? What about when you go to the doctor and you still have to make a payment? What's that called? Copay. Copay. Good. What about when someone has to come to your home and help you? What about that?
0: That's like in care. Are you talking about that? Like a home, nurse? Home health home care.
2: Home care. Yep. Home care. Right. Homemade. Yep. Homemade. Home and the big one, people, the big, big, big one is long term care. Long term care insurance. Now, I, I, this really isn't in my notes, but I'm going to take a little deviation here because I really want you to understand that long-term care is a good example of how we think about this under social insurance. Does anybody really believe that if you have no money, you will die on the street? Good, because you won't. The government will provide care for you. Will it be the level of care that you want? Probably not. Who is most hurt if they don't have a long-term care policy?
0: If you're going to be cared for... Who? People who are older. No? Well... It, I
2: mean, that's partially right, but... Yeah, but, I'm not sure but, exactly but what, are you, what protecting, you mean. What are you protecting when you buy long-term care insurance? If you're going to be taken care of, why would you buy long-term care insurance? Why would you spend hundreds of dollars a month on a long-term care policy?
1: Because... Uh, you, if you want to be cared for at home? Okay, that's one answer.
2: Yes, it gives you a slightly better care at home. But you would still be cared for, even if you, that's, that's not the answer I'm looking for, though. There is a very specific reason. And this is, this is why I want to do this session. If you are basically, uh, have no assets, you don't need a long-term care policy. The more you have, the more it's important that you protect your assets with a long-term care policy. So as we hear more and more discussions about long-term care, you will hear veiled, deeply veiled often in those answers or those discussions, uh, discussions about people's net worth.
0: So you're talking about assets being the amount of money we have in the bank? Absolutely. Okay. All right. Absolutely. Whatever that uh, is, whatever that is, because and, it might and, not be a lot for someone who's pulling down one hundred to two hundred thousand dollars a year, but for someone who's pulling down thirty to forty, it's a lot.
2: Well, what happens with a long-term care policy is it pays a daily benefit,
0: right? And it goes so,
2: quickly. So, if you have, suppose you have a husband and wife, and they are worth uh, fifty thousand dollars. If they buy a private, is it, long-term care insurance is not public. At this point, it is completely private. If they buy a private policy, they will pay somewhere between, and, uh, between 200 hundred and $400 uh, a month for a good policy. They cannot afford it. They do not need it. If someone is worth $500,000 and they're married, maybe they need it because they are protecting the remaining assets for the spouse spouse that doesn't go into a long-term care facility so my point is the ideal client for a long-term care policy is a married couple or a person who wants to protect their assets uh, against long-term care costs uh, uh, who has the ability to support that policy for the rest of their life and if they don't have that ability, it's unethical, in my mind, to sell them that policy. Does that make sense?
0: It does, because that policy okay. will go quickly.
2: That policy will go very quickly. Very and quickly. Who wins? Who wins? Absolutely. Who wins if you buy that policy when you're sixty-five and you uh, are unable to make the premium payments at age eighty, but you go into a long-term care policy, uh, a long-term care facility at age three? Who wins?
3: The care facility.
2: No. Think about this. You went in at age 65, you started spending $200, let's say $300 a month. And for 10 years, you spent $300 a month for this policy. At age 80, you no longer have the cash to support this policy, so you let it lapse. When you let it lapse, the insurance company is no longer responsible for paying for your care. Now, three years later, you go into a long-term care facility. Does this care facility win? Nope. Who wins?
0: Insurance company.
2: Absolutely, the insurance company is the one that wins in that setting, and that's the same basic idea that uh, Medicare supplements work under. If if you, and that's why I say when you start on Medicare, you need to make. And in my mind, it's a one-time decision that you don't want to revisit. Am I going to go the Medicare Advantage route, or am I going to go the Medicare Supplement route? And I'm not going to criticize anybody for taking one route or another. I think it's a waste of time and energy for us to try to persuade one another that our way is right and the other guy's way is wrong. I can give you the factors that should be used in making that decision. But when you hear advertising or hear discussions about this, most of the discussions will be on Medicare Advantage plans, and only some of them will be on uh, Medicare Supplement plans. If you have made the choice to buy a Medicare Advantage plan when you are 65 or 66, you should disregard any discussions about Medicare Supplement plans because they will cost you a lot of extra money to get into if you try to go back to classic Medicare. And nobody says that in the commercials. Does that make sense?
0: It does. And it's good information based on the enrollment period, which is just about to open. Just
2: about to open. Yes. So yes. And, and I, I think, uh, I, I think it's uh, important to understand why we have uh, the open enrollment period. Uh So uh, can you buy any kind of insurance policy after an event has happened? If the barn burns down, can you buy fire insurance? No. If you wreck your car, can you buy insurance that would cover it before the wreck? No. Open enrollment is the insurance company's way of getting people to cover the risk uh, so that they have enough premium to pay for uh, pay pay benefits for people who need that risk covered. Uh, And without open enrollment uh, insurance companies would not be able to pay benefits. Does that make sense?
3: Yeah. Stupid question. No Um, such thing. Why is it that you see the advertisements to call for this Medicare supplements and to join up on Medicare uh, all year vlog. But now in, you hear about the open enrollment.
2: That's why we're doing this session. I love this question. That is not a stupid question, that is a brilliant question. There is only the, the people who advertise during open enrollment are people selling Medicare Advantage plans. Now, you can buy Medicare Advantage plans outside the open enrollment period if you meet some special circumstances, but they're not advertising for those because those are very rare. Most of the time, when you see advertisements outside of open enrollment, they are for Medicare supplement plans. AARP is big on this. You'll see, when, you know, one of my favorite commercials is not good for us, but they'll say, if you have this, and I'm sure they're pointing to a Medicare policy, you need this, and they're pointing to a Medicare supplement policy, because it'll pay all of these bills. Well, that in and of itself is true, but it doesn't tell you that you could have covered that with a Medicare Advantage plan. So that's why I wanted to do this session at this particular point in time, because uh People who have Medicare supplements uh, are outside of the need for open enrollment. People who carry, who have Medicare Advantage uh, can change plans during the open enrollment period. So if you're, for the sake of discussion, if you're with uh, Kaiser and you want to change to scan, there are two months of the year you can do that. And that's what open enrollment is all about. So the objective of the advertiser during the next two months is mainly to get people to swap plans. Does that make sense?
0: It does. It does. So,
2: good. Any other questions before I proceed on this along this line?
1: I have a question. I'm not exactly sure where to fit. I've been waiting for a chance to fit it in, and it doesn't seem like it quite fits, but it's a question I really want to ask you. Uh, And that is, uh, let's say you did not sign up for Medicare when you retired. And let's say three to five years down the road, you decide you want to sign up for Medicare. Now, I was told by somebody, I don't know if it's right or not, that if you sign up for Medicare you know, a period of time after you retired that there were financial penalties involved. Is that true? That's not exactly right. There, uh,
2: there is a portion of truth in that, like many things, there is a very small portion of truth in that, um, that. That deals with the Medicare B premium. So I don't want to ask too many details of your particular situation other than uh, maybe this one you won't mind. Um, Are you over 65? Yes. Okay. Then I will go on about this just a tad. I will not, I would not have gone on about this if you were not in this class. Um, The Medicare B premium can be made up for the time you are not in the plan. So if you are, let's just say you're age 69, and let's just say for the sake of discussion that uh, but bet- when you retired, you were com- covered by a company policy until you retired. When you retired, you did not sign up for Medicare. So four years went by. They can collect the premiums that they missed for those four years because that affects their actuarial tables. Does that make some sense? Yes. Yeah, yes. Okay. Now... That's not a complete answer, but it gives you the beginnings of the answer. There are a couple of things that might affect it. Uh, the most significant pieces of information that could change that is your current income and your net worth. And in this case, it'll have nothing to do with your medical condition, but it could have to do with insurance that might have applied while while you were uninsured uh if you are and don't don't confuse these two things but if you're under obamacare the insurance company wants to make sure that you are not uncovered same reason we have open enrollment they don't want somebody to become part of the plan after they have an event so if you understand that they have a legitimate reason financially, mathematically, for doing what they do, it won't seem so hostile. Um, so I would suggest if you're in this situation, and I'll give the number at the end of my uh, little talk tonight, I would suggest that you call Medicare first, that you sign up for Medicare, and then you talk about the Part B premium. But be prepared when you talk about the Part B premium to talk about why you did not uh, sign up for it immediately and be prepared with your tax returns for the years that uh, you did not have it. And I, I think you will be able to resolve the issue. I won't promise you that it won't cost you a little bit, but I will promise you this. If you don't do it, you will regret it because 80 to 80, about 80% of the medical costs will come in the last two, two years of life. So if you don't do that and you don't have that coverage, it will be problematic uh, for your heirs and for your family. And the less you have, the less you need to worry about it because we do, we are a civilized society. We don't let people die on the streets. But uh, I hope that that gives you a little bit of, of solace in the situation. Thank you. Okay. Any other questions before we move on on that?
0: And was not that optimistic. He sounded like, "Oh my god." But well, I don't want to be scary on that. No, I mean, no. Really but but I um, signed up as soon as I was 65 knowing that I wouldn't retire till 66 just because of those reasons. Yeah. And so far everything's good, but but you don't know what the future is going to hold.
2: Now since John knows you and I don't, I I will offer you this. Um, I don't want to go into any more detail on this in, in what it could be a public venue.
0: Right. But
2: if, if you want to give me a call, you know, I would be happy to talk with you about this offline. And there may be a little bit more that I can do to, to be helpful.
1: Well, I just want to let you know I'm not uninsured. I, I had private insurance that I had when I was working. I, I was given the option to keep it, and I oh. decided to keep it. Well, now you're out of
2: trouble completely. What you just said to me, let's let's try this again. Let me say this in Medicare language instead of your language. When you call Medicare, all you say is, I was covered up until this point, and now I would like to pay the Part B premium.
1: You should be perfectly fine if that's your situation.
0: That's what I did.
1: Does that make sense, Andy? Yeah, but I'm I'm still covered by the private insurance. You know, I'm not I'm not uncovered. Well, I maintained, yeah, because I made i i kept i i was given the option that I could keep that policy and retirement Of course, I pay the premiums, uh, but I was given the option to keep that policy after I retired, Then that was what I did. Were you working for a government agency? Yes. Okay, then this this is even more
2: more uh, safe for you, and it's it's uh, is it Tricare? No. Okay. Uh I if you were a private in, if you were working for a private company or you had had your own business and you had failed to pay your premiums you would be in trouble. But what you've said I seriously doubt whether you will pay any penalty when you choose to pick up your part B premium. Now we had a question last week that was somewhat similar to this and I want to visit this since we're here, Andy. Last week, uh, at, I, I think it was um, Liz who asked about an existing company uh, policy that she that she had as a result of her husband's retirement. Is that is that right? Something like that.
0: Yeah, uh, Liz asked a couple of questions, and so did Mary Lou. Okay, is
2: that person on the on in this call? They both are.
3: Yeah.
0: Okay. Okay.
3: So.
2: Um, I did a little bit of thinking about that and a little research on that. And if you understand what I said about advantage versus supplement, we can move on with an answer to that. But I want to make sure you understand that answer first. Do you guys feel like you understood the difference between a Medicare Advantage and a Medicare supplement plan? Yeah, I kind of don't
3: like those to the supplement and the advantage
2: well those are your, your two choices so yeah. what your your company what you need to do is fit the answer to your company your I, I have a hard time imagining that your company plan did not integrate medicare into it so what i think you really have is a uh, a a piece that fills in a hole like we were talking about. So envision a picture of, of ice. And that ice with large cubes is called Medicare A and B. Now envision a, uh, a, uh, a bunch of ice chips, just very small ice chips. That is called a Medicare supplement. It's filling in the gap. Now imagine that on top of this, you pour water until that pitcher of need is full. Now, what we're talking about is the ice chips and the water. We are not talking about the solid ice at the bottom of this pitcher. So what what is often confusing is that you don't realize because you haven't had a prior experience where there is a huge and you're only talking about the top part of this picture. So if you ask your company uh, representative if a given thing is covered, they will say yes. What they will not tell you, unless you ask the question and know to ask the question, is that the bottom two-thirds of that is covered by Medicare, and the top third is covered by the ice chips and the water. So let's call that ice chips again your supplement and the water your your personal copays. So what I would look at if I were in your situation is, is this a drug plan only, which would be a Part B, or is this a supplement which would be covering classic Medicare plus whatever your part is? If it is a supplement, you should be able to look at the the benefits and go to anybody who sells medicare supplements privately and get a pretty close value as to what that's worth on a monthly basis or maybe they would even tell you this is equivalent to and these supplements will have letters from a to uh, k depending on the state and the time of year But if you, suppose they tell you this is a supplement that is equal to part E, to, to uh, Medicare supplement E, you could go on the internet and look up that and you could find out basically what its retail value is. So I really don't think that it should be difficult to figure out whether it would be better for you to maintain that private policy or uh, get something, you know, that you want separately. By just looking at the dollar value, does that make sense?
1: Are you still talking to me?
2: <laughs> no, I'm talking to to whoever was uh, to. I think it was. Uh, I, I don't. I don't remember her name, but the. Does mm-hmm. that make sense, Mary Lou? Yeah. Does that make yeah. sense,
3: Mary Lou? Yeah. Yeah. Uh Well, pretty much. The, we both had the same policy, and oh. and what it is is for me. Uh Medicare is primary, and I'm on his, and his and what he has is considered my secondary, and he has considered the whole thing is primary he has.
2: Okay. What change are you thinking about making?
3: Well, pretty much it's me. I don't know. I'm confused because I thought, oh, maybe I should go with these, you know, uh, things on TV. And then I'm thinking now what you're talking about. And I'm thinking, you know, maybe I should stick with what we have because they've been good to me.
2: If they've been good to you, if your doctor is currently covered, then realize that the Medicare Advantage people are looking to uh, – essentially what happens with Medicare Advantage is you are a customer, but you don't pay for it. The government pays for it. But the company gets paid. So let's think about their their um, objective. And this is exactly why I wanted to so are you're, 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 right now, if, you, if I persuade you of this one thing, this whole thing will have been worth doing. You are being talked to as one in a group of millions. And you are applying the answer specifically. So just like I said last week, if I sat in front of the door of Larry's office, Larry's doctor's office, And Larry's doctor gives him very specific advice because of his diabetes. And I say, oh, he said, this is true for Larry. Therefore, it's good for me. I would be crazy. He's giving Larry advice based on his medical condition. Based on your current financial situation, as I understand it, you have no business even listening to those ads and letting them tempt you because you're you're. You're currently covered, and uh, it sounds like you have a good relationship with a doctor who is being paid for under Classic Medicare, and they are billing the supplement for your additional payments. Now, if uh, you uh, told me that your copays were all of a sudden way too high, we could talk about it. Or if you told me that you uh, we're paying more for drugs than you wanted to. I would suggest that you look at a Part B plan. But that doesn't mean you have to leave what you currently have. It means that drugs are outside this picture of need that we've talked about just in terms of, uh, of, your, of your basic Part A and Part B that's covered. So I'm, I'm not sure. It, it, is, it is Unfortunately, it is complicated. Um, and I got voiceover chattering at me, so I'm losing my place. Unfortunately, it is very complicated, but from what, you have not said anything to persuade me that you should think about what they're talking about. Now, you can throw your strongest argument at me, and I will listen to it, but I don't think they've got a, a snowball's chance in uh, 80s of beating what you currently have. Does that help?
3: All right, Lou. Yeah. In a way it does, uh, it does cover my, uh, medical, I mean, my, uh, medication and, uh, so forth, the insurance and, uh, it does cover, uh, it does take care of not the Medicare, but his insurance covers my medication and, uh, we do pay copay, but it isn't expensive. And you know, we get a list, and then at the end of the year, you know, I get something from the pharmacy, and I can use it on taxes. And then, uh, and then afterwards, uh, you know, my insurance—I look at whatever I get back from the insurance, and it's a zero balance and medicare it's you know this is not a bill so i'm pretty much covered
2: right now i i think you absolutely should not even think about changing i'm pretty i'm very satisfied with that answer and if if anybody can throw an argument at you that really is persuasive you ought to call somebody like me first Because chances are they're trying to sell you something that you don't need. And based on what you said, Andy, I would be very surprised if you actually are not paying a Part B premium. You just don't realize it. I suspect your company in some way is paying it for you or it's being taken out of something that you don't realize. So I I would be very surprised if you are not currently paying a Part B premium.
1: Yeah, I have another question that has nothing to do with that or nothing to do with me. Uh, I see these commercials where they say, uh, if you go with our plan, you can get $150 a month added back to your Social Security check. What's that right. all?
2: That's a wonderful question.
1: So uh,
2: that is your Part B premium. And what that what's happening there is if somebody has income of less than a certain amount of money, and I don't want to give you a dollar amount because, uh, I just want you to understand that that's based on being virtually uh, bankrupt, virtually poor. They're giving you a refund on your part B premium. That will not be helpful to you. Uh, that is geared for people who are virtually destitute. So, uh, you know, it's, uh, It's an example, again, of the mass marketing of something that has a very, very narrow target. But the subscriber, uh, the Medicare provider, is going to be able to get a subscriber out of it if they get them their Part B premium refunded. So once they've done that, their salesman makes his commission and they're on to something else. But it's going to give you a very narrow, narrow network if you do that what you have as i as i uh, hear it is a medicare part a and b plan with a supplement you have an all what i would call an a la carte plan if you can you don't have to stay within a network i suspect you can go to any any doctor that takes medicare is that right
3: yeah i have an a and b and yeah. then my husband and e and his is a ppo
2: okay so you you have uh, a that uh a an a la carte plan. It's as though you go to a restaurant, you can order whatever you want uh, and as long as it's on the menu, they will provide it. That's that's classic Medicare with a supplement. The advantage is all you can eat. It is uh a plan where the uh the provider of uh, the insurance provider says we will cover all of your needs but you have to be in a very narrow network. What's the difference between going to an all-you-can-eat place and an a la carte place? Well, the all-you-can-eat place is going to save lots of money by cutting down on the things they provide or the quality of things they provide. And they're not going to say that up front. They're not going to say our, uh, you know, uh, our steaks are less quality than, uh, you know, shakery or whatever it is. But the truth is, that's how they do it. And the math is based on the fact that the, uh, uh, the advantage plan is capturing all of that premium. They can't, you can't move it because you, you are in the open and you, you join that during the open enrollment. So they can make that calculation for the year. So, uh, you know, remember this is all based on, uh, math. It's actuarial. It's, uh, not, uh, for your benefit. Well, it is for your benefit, but I mean, the insurance company is not going to lose money and you don't want them to. Um, So uh, if you think of uh, Medicare uh, A and B plus a supplement as being a la carte, Medicare Advantage as being all you can eat, uh, you have an analogy that should hold up pretty well when you think about purchasing services. And then if you realize that once you've made that decision for your lifetime, you can change between all of the different restaurants that offer all you can eat, all you want. What you can't do is go to an a la carte place.
1: Does that make sense? So basically once you go into an an advantage plan, you're, you're stuck there. I mean, you can change plans, but it has to be within that rubric. The short version is yes,
2: that's exactly right. And what you uh, got, if I understand properly from your company, what you got is admission to Shakery. You got admission to the a la carte place. They said, we're going to, we're going to provide this supplement policy. And now it is integrated with Medicare. Now Andy and his wife have uh, the premium plan. And I don't—I don't mean to say that it's better than an Advantage plan. i am not trying to imply that. I personally have Advantage, and I—I would—you uh, know—I can explain why I chose that. But I—I uh, I think Advantage is uh, a uh, an excellent choice for people who are willing to live with limited choices in terms of who—who who they go to see for their uh, medical care. Uh, but they want to save
0: money. Alan, we have 10 minutes left. Um, Could we quickly talk about the question that I brought up last week after the show went off the air? And that is, if you're getting ready to do an enrollment and you're not quite happy with what you've had and you want to look at and explore other alternatives... How easy is that to do, especially when you go online and don't understand anything that, what, that is online? How do you go about finding out and exploring, uh, aside from maybe asking a broker?
2: Thank you for reminding me of this sure. question. Sure. So um, th- there are thousands of Medicare Advantage plans in the United States, and they are based on regions. So let me give you an example of one. That would be SCAN. They advertise heavily in this area. They cover Orange and Los Angeles counties. They do not cover, for the sake of discussion, Tulare County. I know because I researched it. Uh, The uh, uh, plan sponsor for this particular area has built a network of providers within Orange and Los Angeles counties And, you know, that's the area they want to operate in. They are a nonprofit. They get five stars. They do a great job for people in this area. Now that doesn't mean that if you get sick or injured and you're in the United States, they won't take care of you. But it does mean that they are likely to move you back to Orange County as soon as they can so that they can be within your network. They will still take care of you in other areas. There are some skinny networks that will not do that. And that is a legitimate thing for you to consider if you are someone who moves a lot from one county to another. But that's not your question. Your question is, how do I find Medicare Advantage providers in my area? And that is, I think, a matter of asking the right narrow question. And the narrow question is, Medicare Advantage providers in Orange County. So I would Google Medicare Advantage providers in Orange County, and the better your Google skills are, the better you 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 can do this. And then uh, you know you will find, unfortunately, a a polyglot of information that will include some uh, Medicare supplement plans and that will include some brokers. So breaking out that is not the easiest thing to do. But what I would do if I if I really wanted to know this is I would go to the, MC, the Medicare website or MCS or even call Medicare, and I'll give that number at the end and say, can you just send me a list of providers in my county? That would be the way to, that I would do that, short of using a broker.
0: Very good, thank you.
2: Any other questions before we wrap this up? OK, so uh, just to bring it to uh, kind of a, of a close here, when you are going to uh, make your choice about uh, which plan, which way you want to go, if you have not been uh, already moved into a plan uh, like, uh, our, uh, like Andy and his wife, and that was actually a good thing, I don't mean to say that in a hostile way, it's a good thing that they have, but not all of us have that kind of a, are blessed in that way. Uh you should make a choice about whether you want to go the advantage route or the supplement route. Realize that these are two completely different paths. One is going to cost you more money and give you more freedom. The other is going to give you less freedom uh and give you much more structure because it's an HMO plan or it's a, it's a, it's a plan where your network is limited, but in exchange, you're, you're, uh, you're going to save a great deal of money. If you want the very best care that money can buy and you have unlimited resources or you, you have, you know, a significant amount of wealth, you know, the, uh, A and B plus a supplement is probably a good idea. If you have limited assets or, if you really don't care to have all of the things that medical science can provide for you at the end of life, then I think Medicare Advantage is a much cheaper way to go and you won't you won't uh, regret having that money to spend on uh your life as opposed to on your medical care. Finally, I do want to give the number for Medicare. Uh it's 800-772-1213. That is the number that you would call to sign up for Medicare uh, to make sure your Medicare premiums are being paid and to get general answers about the program. That is not uh, they're not going to sell you a particular plan, uh, but you could call them as I suggested and ask them for a list of advantage providers in your area. Otherwise you're going to get uh, most of the information through a broker who is going to make a commission when he sells to you. So uh, with that all being said, Larry, I'm pretty much done with what I had to offer.
0: Very good. Well, this has been incredibly insightful. It's been good and solid information. And we'll put both of these up for podcast as well for those people who missed maybe last week's or missed some of this week's. We're glad you were all with us and asked some great questions. And, Alan, thanks so much for being with us. It was a terrific uh, two-session podcast. Good. All right. Very good. We will disconnect from ACB Radio, and thank you all very much for being with us.